Deuteronomy chapter 22. Last week we, we looked at a few verses in this and then we looked at the passage in Luke. Do you remember where the disciples felt that Jesus had been insulted and they wanted to bring down fire and brimstone on uh, the people who had, they reckoned, insulted Jesus. And Jesus said, you know, I am come to save this this time in the, the, the life of the Lord Jesus, the life of the church, it's the age of grace. We're not here to judge the world. We're here to preach the gospel of the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the necessity for us to try and divide the word of truth accurately always seeking to interpret it in the era in which we are, the dispensation in which we are, and in the context of the Testament and the times in which, it, uh, in which we live. We read those verses in Deuteronomy chapter 22, and we read 8 to 11, but I, I was looking at this again, and having been to the funeral in Dublin, and talking about woolen and linen and all these mixed garments that we wear and uh, which we shouldn't wear we should be distinct in what we wear we said that Elijah when you looked at Elijah there was no doubt what he was wearing he was wearing this coat of leather and rough skins and uh, he, he, he was a man who preached a distinct message and John the Baptist was the same and we should not be wearing a mixture of materials in our coats we should be preaching clear, distinct and living a life which was clear and distinct for the Lord Jesus. We can't mix things. And I started looking again at these verses in Deuteronomy and then I thought that the passage really is from verses 5 to 12. And uh, we didn't have time to look at them in much detail last week and I thought we'd go back to verse 5 and read from verse 5 to verse 12 and then take uh, a look at these verses again. Deuteronomy 22 verse 5 The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment, for all that do so are abomination unto the Lord thy God. If a bird's nest chance to be before thee in the way, in any tree or on the ground, whether there be young ones or eggs, and the dam sitting upon the young or upon the eggs, thou shalt not take the dam with the young. But thou shalt in any wise let the dam go and take the young to thee, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest prolong thy days. When thou buildest a new house, then thou shalt make a battlement on thy, for thy roof, that thou bring not blood upon thine house, if any man fall from thence. Thou shalt not sow thy vineyard with diverse seeds. Let the fruit of thy seed which thou hast sown and the fruit of thy vineyard be defiled. Thou shalt not plough with an ox and an ass together. Thou shalt not wear a garment of diverse sorts as of woolen and linen together. Thou shalt make the fringes upon the four quarters of thy vesture wherewith thou coverest thyself. Now these are a group of laws which God was giving his people as to how they should act every day. 
in their in their daily lives. The ones before uh, running before in 22 are sort of how they shall live in relationship to their neighbours and things. But here they have uh, these laws set out. The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment. For all that do so are an abomination unto the Lord. You know, in the divine order of things in Scripture, there is always a distinction given between the roles, the duties, the, uh, the behavior, and the decorum of men and women. They're different always set out clearly in scripture but in our modern world these distinctions are being blurred not only by the world but sadly in the churches as well we only have to turn on our TV and we see the, 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 that this is all the, the roles of man and woman are being muddied and the traditional family values are being undermined right from the government right down through society it's all been muddied what man does and what woman does the, it's, the, the roles are all mixed up I don't know whether you mean listening to the news the, the, the uh, children's minister Hodge I think it is Margaret Hodge she, she has been trying to defend the, the government's position in nursery education I mean, they're going to, it'll soon be that right from a child's birth, right through, all the education will be done by the government and not, not by, in any way by the family. They're going to have nursery education for children as, as young as two years of age and it, it, you'll find that eventually they, they want every kid to do that. And uh, so you have the children being, being sent to, to, to babysitters and childminders nursery education and they'll be at after school clubs and, and eventually the children will see their parents and probably only one parent for a couple of hours if that every evening before they put them to bed in fact they probably won't see them for a couple of hours collect them give them their food and put them to bed and the next morning they're away off to the governmental uh, we, we used to wonder about this in other countries when we heard about it in China and places but it's here in our country now we are uh, relinquishing the responsibility of our children to the government we have now got what they call it's a, it's a common name, house husbands don't we, because they're looking after the children and the women are going out to work and then we wonder why. Why do our children rebel? Why are we having delinquents? Why are we having problems? We have interchanged the garments. We've interchanged the garments. Man is wearing the woman's garment and women are taking on the duties. And this, the, the, the thought behind this is not only uh, in relation to clothes, it's in relation to doing the, the operations which men do, the, the work which men do, the, women's role has been undermined this passage gives us the notion that women are not to do men's jobs and vice versa you see in scripture there is an underlying uh, distinction as what women should do and what men should do 
You know, we know that this passage also refers to, to, to acts of transvestism and things like that. But, uh, and, and this was all to do with pagan worship as well. Apparently when people prayed to the moon, uh, because and, and to Venus and things, men put on women's clothes and women put on men's clothes and there was all this interchange of clothes in, in idol worship. And that caused uh, sexual problems and, and, and uh, uh, abominations. That, that does apply. But I think we should look at this in relation to how it affects us as Christians. What lesson do we get from a verse like this? That men should not do that which pertaineth unto a woman, and women shouldn't do that which pertaineth unto a man. There's a heathen backdrop to this law, but it also applies to us in the church. 1 Timothy 2, 11 and 12. Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection, but I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. There's a distinct role for women within the church, and there's a distinct role for men within the church. 1 Timothy 2 and verse 9, In like manner also the women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broidered hair, or gold, or pearls, or costly array. that women adorn themselves with modest apparel, with shamefacedness. Now, we don't see much shamefacedness with women today, sadly. Scripture paints a picture for us of a Christian woman as one with an internal <coughs> modesty of spirit, something which comes from the inside out. True godly adornment of a quiet and holy deportment. This is what scripture lays down the apparel that women should be wearing in the church. Shown by a modesty and holiness in their character and in their spirit and in their general deportment. But what do we see? Women have taken over the role of men in the church. They have begun to wear the wrong apparel. That's what's happened. Well, I believe one of the problems and one of the reasons why this has happened, I've been thinking about this, because men have stopped wearing the wrong apparel in the churches. God has laid down and commanded what man should be and who he should be within the church of Jesus Christ. The order, edification and building up of the church is being put into the hands of men. They're the ones who are the teachers. They're the ones who are the heads of the families. And we see that in many cases men have relinquished that responsibility. And because of that, women have had to, in many cases, take over those responsibilities because men have failed to wear the proper garments, to take on their responsibility. They have allowed the women to take on the apparel of men within the church. You know, when we look around, we see some women who are highly intelligent, highly spiritual, 
are highly able to do the jobs within the churches which they have undertaken to do but that doesn't mean that it's right that's the thing and the reason is because men have not taken on those responsibilities we cannot just change the divine order of things in the scriptures we cannot just take it upon ourselves to change things just because it's expedient for us to do it because there are women there who are prepared to do it that's not their job that's not what they should be wearing we can't start wearing each other's garments they don't fit they're not the same shape and we should stick to the divine order you know the world has decided to change the garments but the church shouldn't the church shouldn't we should follow the teaching and commands of scripture rather than follow worldly practices let us make sure what clothes we are wearing okay and then we come to verse 6 the care of a bird and a nest it seems strange when I when you read this first of all you know you have these laws and rules which God has given here all about various things about building and stuff and in the middle of it all a little bit here about what happens if you find a bird's nest on the ground or in a tree that you're going to cut down why on earth is this little thing put in the middle of a whole lot of other laws which have carry much more weight one about transvestites and then the next one is about a bird's nest falling out of a tree we've all seen it it's in the house recently and chap was giving out well it was a few months ago because swallowed what swallows had had nested in his porch and right enough the mess was terrible every time they flew out they messed and the mess was there and he said oh those swallows and I said I wish I'd had those swallows nesting when we had a thatched house I'd love them to have come and nested but they were there well he didn't he could have gone up and, and taken them away and thrown them away but that's what this is about if you see a chance before the in, in a tree and or on the ground and you're going to want to cut down to, don't touch it let them bring up their young but look at what it says at the end of verse uh, 7 if you do this if you look after the little bird and our nests look at the promise that thou mayest that it may be well with thee and that thou mayest prolong thy days not amazing by lifting that bird's nest and not throwing it away it says that it may be well with thee and that your days may be prolonged it's strange I, you're inclined to say but it doesn't mean that that's not really what it means that's what it says <laughs> your first reaction is that isn't it but you know it's showing the compassion that God has for his creatures and again and again in scripture how God looks after you and me is shown by pictures of how he a, a bird looks after her young 
It's a picture of God's love to us. How he looks after us is the same little picture he gives us of a bird looking after her young. Just a couple. Deuteronomy 32 further on. As an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them and beareth them on her wings. She does all that to look after her little ones, to encourage them to fly, to, 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 to protect them in the nest, puts them on our wings. And it says, So the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. Just the same way as the eagle looked after her young he says, so the Lord. And we mount up on eagles' wings. And wings and birds and protection uh, is a picture of how the Lord looks after you and me. Jesus said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee. God had sent his prophets time after time after time to his people. But they had stoned them, they killed them. And Jesus said, How often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings? But ye would not. We've all, we don't see hens and chickens much now, but there are the odd farm, uh, farms around that still have chickens and hens running around. And when there's a sign of a danger, she clucks a certain way and all the little chickens run under her and she nestles down with them all under her wings. That's what Jesus said he wanted to do, God wanted to do with his people. But he said they would not. That's what he wants to do. He wants to protect us. He wants to keep us in the shadow of his wings. There is rest. The sweet rest. And that's the picture he wants to give us. And he says, what is saying that in the church there will be people who will be prepared to look after those who are weak. We have the responsibility to look after the, the little ones. The little ones. Not the small ones necessarily. But the ones who are small in their faith. Fall in their ability. Small in their abilities. He wants us to look after those little ones. As often you did it to these the least of my brethren. He says you did it unto me. And he says that kind of spirit in the church we want it to be there we don't want people to suppress it we want to encourage it lift them up put them back in the nest keep them safe keep them secure give them a sense of security which they will receive inasmuch as you did it to the least of these my brethren Jesus said you did it unto me you did it unto me strange that we get that little thing about a bird's nest falling on from something which is a total abomination to the Lord but this it said there if you did that it may be well with thee and your days are going to be prolonged strange and then we go on to the next one when thou buildest a new house then thou shalt make a battlement for thy roof that thou mayest not that thou bring not blood upon thy house if any man fall from thence. Well, this is another strange one to come in. If you had had to work out a list of laws that people were to, to do in order to, 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 to live reasonable lives, uh, 
I wonder what we'd have included in our list. But this is one which God included in the list for the people for everyday living. In the East, you know, the houses had flat roofs. And they used the, the, the roofs of the houses for many things, different things. You remember when the, the, the spies went out to, to spy the land. Uh, Rahab hid them up in the roof, in, in amongst all the flax. She had all the flax drying up on the roof. And she hid the spies. There must have been a fair bit of flax up there. She hid under them under the, the flax and when the, 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 the searchers had gone in another direction, she told them to get down and away. It was a place of peace and quiet. When, when Saul met, uh, went up, when he lost the, the donkeys, you remember? And he was out looking for his father's donkeys, the, the son of Kish. And he had a servant with him. And he went up to Samuel to see if Samuel could tell where the donkeys were. And in the morning after, the, he, he, he'd invited him to a meal. And then in the morning, in order to get a bit of peace and quiet, Samuel took Saul up onto the roof to commune with him, to talk with him. And then he anointed him king of Israel. Remember? He took him up on the roof. It was a place where there was peace and quiet, away from all the hustle and bustle that was going on down in the house, especially Samuel being the prophet of God. People would have been wanting to see him and talk with him and do things. He took him up on the roof, away from everything else, to peace and quiet. It was a place where people could go and have peace and quiet. Away back in Acts chapter 10, we have the story of Cornelius. Cornelius was a, a, a man who was a Gentile and he prayed and he was told by uh, the, the angel to go to get Peter to come and speak to them. And when the men came to Peter's house where he was staying, Peter had gone, it said, on the roof. On the morrow the men came on their journey and drew nigh unto the city. And Peter went up onto the housetop to pray. It was a place where people went up to be quiet and where they could pray. There was also a place where watchmen stood. In Second Samuel 18, 24, uh, David sat between the two gates and the watchman went up to the roof. This was the time of Absalom and the war against Absalom. But the watchman was on the roof, watching out for danger. So roofs were used for, for various things in, in the time when these laws were written. And you notice that it was a new house that was being built. When thou buildest a new house, we're all building a house. Each one of us who've accepted Christ as our Savior, if you go to 1 Corinthians 3 verse 10, it, it, Paul is speaking to the Corinthians, he says, According to the grace of God which is given unto me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another man buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. It goes on to say in the next verse, that the, the foundation that we build our house on is the Lord Jesus Christ, but we have to be careful how we're building our new house on top of that foundation. 
what kind of a house are we building on that foundation? It says it can be built with stones and precious stones and silver and gold as that will withstand the fire. But if we build it with wood, hay and stubble, if there's a fire, it'll be wiped out. We need to make sure we know what kind of a house we're building. And then when we do build that house, the roof is obviously the highest point of that house, the top part. We used to put flags on the chimneys when they, when they got to the highest spot. The men always expected a drink or something. But there we are. And have we built a parapet around the roof of our house? Have we built a parapet around it? We are in danger of being attacked by Satan. Have we got a watch? Are we watching out from that roof for the dangers that will come? It's our minds, our heads, our thoughts. Satan is out to attack us. If you build a parapet, it's more difficult for the enemy to get in. Are we building a parapet around? Danger of attack. They went up to pray. They went up from the roof to pray. Our prayer life is under attack. Have we built a parapet there to protect us? Go up there for peace and quiet, didn't they? Our quiet times. Have we built a parapet there? For the danger of falling off. I went up there to think and to meditate and to commune. Saul and Samuel went up to commune. When we commune with our Lord, that's under attack. We need to have time to think quietly about things. We need to guard our thoughts when on the roof. You know, there's another sad one. David went up onto the roof. One evening, and he saw Bathsheba having a bath, and his thoughts went astray. He hadn't built a parapet around his thoughts. We need to pray that our thoughts, maybe he should have been praying instead of just idling his time looking around. It was so opposite that David's prayer in Psalm 119, he says, Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity. It's interesting, isn't it? I wonder what he thinking of that day or that evening when he went up on the roof and his eyes beheld vanity and it went into action. Quicken thou me in thy way. That's what we all need to pray. That God will quicken us in his way. Have we set a watchman on the roof to warn and repel the enemy and built a parapet there to prevent us from slipping to danger? Submit ourselves to God. Resist the devil. Build a parapet and he'll flee from you. And you know the thought was there too that it was somebody else who was going to fall off your roof. 
because we are responsible for those with whom we come in contact with daily. It's the way that we are building our house and the way that we have protected our house is it having an influence on the people around us? Or is the way we have built our house maybe responsible for somebody else falling and slipping? It says, Thou shalt build a battlement for thy roof that thou may not bring blood on thine house. And if you read Ezekiel chapter 33, if the watchman doesn't give the right signal, his blood is upon the watchman if the enemy come and kill somebody. You need to be watchmen. And I thought, we'll finish with this. Jude one twenty four. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. That's what we want, to be able to be kept from falling. Falling off the roof of our houses. Being attacked by Satan. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. He wants to be able to present us in glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Saviour, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. Amen. Just, just as a thought, I have, we've been going through bits and pieces because we're going to have to tidy things up a little bit in this house before we move. And Rosemary keeps bringing bits of paper. We're going to keep these and we're going to throw those out. Well, she produced a whole lot of stuff the other day. And you know, there's this little booklet. And it's on ecumenical evangelism. And it's written by a man called James Stewart. I don't know who he is. But it's, it's particularly good little booklet. And, you know, we go on and on about this separation and keeping ourselves unspotted from the world, not mixing the and not mixing the, the wool and the linen, not mixing the seeds, not mixing uh, the the garments we wear in church. It's interesting this little booklet I read it again uh, uh, recently. You know, in Spurgeon Spurgeon spoke endlessly about separation from the world. And in actual fact, they reckon it brought him to an early death. He was so concerned and stood against such opposition. In his magazine from August 1887 to February 1892, there was scarcely an issue of the magazine in which he did not go on about separation from the world. And his wife said, that it cost him his life. He had such a burden for the purity of the church that it cost him his life. And this chap says, what we need are more men. We need another Spurgeon. The desperate need of the hour is for another Charles Haddon Spurgeon to sound the alarm and raise the banner of God and fight the foes of the gospel. The Samsons do not like it made known that it was Spurgeon's battle with the religious Philistines that broke his heart and sent him to an early grave. It was the failure of evangelical leaders to stand 
with him in stemming the awful tide of false doctrine in evangelical circles that caused him to pass through great conflicts with Satan which few have experienced. Spurgeon, it cost him his life to stand up for the truths of the gospel. The, it says here when the, when the Indians in America if a man could perceive something that the others didn't perceive, he heard the cataract. He could hear the danger ahead. Spurgeon heard the cataract. He heard the noise which was going to destroy that canoe in which he was travelling unless he did something about it. And that's what be it behoves each one of us to be like him. To stand up for the truth. Here's what he said. With deep regret, we abstain from assembling with those whom we dearly love and heartily respect, since it would involve us in a confederacy with those with whom we can have no communion in the Lord. Garibaldi complained that by the cessation of Nice to France, he had been made a foreigner in his native land. And our heart is burdened with a like sorrow. But those who banish us yet may be of another mind and enable us to return. He felt, he said, within the evangelical circles, he was a stranger in his own land. And he fought against it. And that's what these verses are all about. They're all about separation. Not mixing those things which are holy with those which are profane. 